0: You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 153. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Klar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Uh, This is another solo show, first solo show of the year. And I want to call out last week's show, last week's show, was a math show. Hope you learned something about Ramsey theory and something about quantum computing. I know I did. And you're going to learn more this week because there's a lot going on in the world. And um, I kind of thought, okay, you know, how am I going to cover this? First of all, this is going to be a really exciting year to cover. Um, And I don't always have to get, I don't have to get into the weed of politics. Thank God. I don't want to talk to, uh, I don't, there's a lot of stuff I don't want to talk about right now. There are a lot of other people who do uh, who 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 do that. Uh, sometimes I just want to talk about where technology is going, and I know people on all sides are kind of panicking right now, but stuff is moving. Stuff is moving in 2021 in, on the Internet, on the tech scene, and, um, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, we might be covering some of the dark side of the Internet today, including dark markets, so some of it might not seem optimistic, but but again, incredible things are happening, and the phase change of the Internet seems imminent. So let's talk about it, um, because this could end up as a really good thing, and I'll tell you why uh, by first going back, uh, all the way back to actually episode six of The Local Maximum. Episode six was actually the first solo show I ever did on The Local Maximum. It was probably, it was early 2018 when when we first started the show, um, and Episode six was about decentralized services. So I looked at an article from Chris Dixon, who's like a, a well-known uh, tech investor in New York. I almost said here in New York, and then I forgot I'm not in New York anymore. But um, I think he's he's invested in, in Foursquare and other, other things. And he wrote an article in 2018 called Why Decentralization Matters. And I covered that article at the time. Um, but basically... Uh I, I said at the time that after reading this article, because I agreed with it, I said that massive changes are coming to the internet in five to ten years. Well, if it's two years later, now it should be uh three to uh three to eight years. <laughs> and that sounds that sounds about right. Sounds right on schedule here. We're, we're well, I mean massive changes are coming right away, but we're 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 really lining up to uh to fit that timeline pretty well. So anyway, just to uh just to and, and we'll get to uh, current events, don't worry. Uh, or, or worry, <laughs> worry, we're going to get to current events. Uh, but uh, first of all, uh, I, we're just going to give a little bit of the history. And so here's what Chris Dixon said about the Internet. First is uh, the first era was the decentralized era um, where nobody owns the protocols. So the Internet was actually designed as uh, a censorship-resistant Uh, communications network. Anyone can hook up to it. And there weren't big platforms kind of dominating it. And that uh, decentralized era, you know, he he put as lasting until 2005, roughly 15 years. Let's say it starts with the uh, advent of the World Wide Web in, let's round it off to 1990. And so you get uh, uh, 1990 to 2005, you get kind of this decentralized era, then you have era two since two thousand five. Let's go two thousand five to twenty twenty. You have the big tech era now this is when these corporate giants come in. Um, we're talking about google we're talking about facebook uh, we're talking about um youtube. We're talking about amazon of course uh and um and I guess Twitter uh, to some extent when it comes to when it comes to news and information. Gathering, so these platforms made the internet much easier to use. The good news is that you know many people got access to new technology. You could start a website. Uh, well, you didn't have to start a website to uh, to get your thoughts out on the web, like in, in Twitter. You just type them into a box. It's easier. Uh, you know, you know, you could go to a, a centralized place to search. Uh, but one of the problems is that platforms behave, behave badly. Uh, they change the rules on you. They uh, prevent people from earning profits. They pick and choose who they're going to do. And they ban who they want uh, in their own interest. Now, this was written in uh, 2018. Remember, this was not written in 2021. So he's not talking about uh, the Donald Trump ban. So uh, if you think that this is a one-off thing that happened uh, on on Twitter the other day, uh, well, it's not. You're, you know, it's, it's going to keep going. So uh another point that that he makes and the point that i've made is that centralization leads to social tension centralization leads to social tension and that's because you have a small number of people who are from the same background making the rules for everybody well uh did that happen i'm pretty sure we can agree that happened so and and, and and the third problem with all of these um these internet giants is they try to extract maximum value from the users. That would be you. So whether it's Trying to, um, you know, keep you online for longer and longer, and then you know, as you start to lose interest in what they're saying, they have to, you know, they have to ramp it up. They have to get you more and more upset. They have to get you more and more outraged. They have to get you keep coming back for more. And um, at some point, that uh, that hits a breaking point. <laughs> Are we almost there yet? I kind of want to know when we're almost there. So the era, the, the third era. Is uh, that that, and this is not me. This is Chris Dixon, but I, I sort of I sort of see this happening. Uh, third era. That's when it really gets going. Centralized internet uh, falls apart and goes decentralized again. Uh, and at, I think, from what I look at specifically this week. The centralized internet is falling apart before our very eyes, and they're replaced by what he calls in 2018 crypto networks. Now, I don't think that's what we're going to end up calling them, but let's say that ultimately these are networks that use a blockchain to maintain an update state, and they use cryptocurrencies for payments. Now, you might—well, uh, uh, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit, because um, not the the blockchain is the most— Uncensorable kind of form of uh, communication and database we have. So you don't always need a blockchain, but so long as so so long as certain companies keep getting targeted and and you know uh, taken off and, and taken off and, and and services removed et cetera et cetera. Eventually, and the, you know they'll come back and there'll be an arms race, and eventually. I think what we'll end up with is a blockchain in some instances where um you know uh, in 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 that would be for use cases where there's a lot of demand for these use cases and there is a there's a lot of demand for these use cases among users and there's a lot of demand to censor these use cases so that's when you have the largest kind of arms races and that's when you end up with the uh, most uh, most kind of secure uh, uncensorable solution that evolves. And that, that would end up being a blockchain and, and cryptocurrency of some t- of some kind. So the problem with some of these um, solutions uh, as they develop to, to review is that they need better performance and scalability. That's why, you know, why, why didn't we build these things in 2005? Well, first of all, uh, there were some decentralized services in 2005, but uh, people were talking about them. But it's tough to get performance and scalability. It's uh, it's it's not easy to set these up. Um, but under the right conditions, these can improve faster. So an example that's given in the article, an example that I talked about in episode six, is Wikipedia versus Encarta, which was Encarta was an encyclopedia that you kind of just download onto your computer. They used to have Encarta on CDs, you know, when I was a kid. And um, Wikipedia... When it first started, it was not as good as Encarta. But then people added to Wikipedia, people added to Wikipedia, and then it got better and better and better. And so, you know, by the year 2005, 2006, 2010, Wikipedia was so much better than these centralized solutions. Now Wikipedia is bad again. <laughs> we'll just say that. Um, but Wikipedia, print, now Wikipedia is kind of one of these tech giants where you have kind of a small group Who It it has kind of the illusion of being open, but you really have this small group that controls all of the important articles, Um, kind of an oligarchy. So Wikipedia in the early days improved at a faster rate. Um, Another example that is given is spam. So uh, email spam right now is not a problem because email is... uh, is there are tons of companies that worked on email spam for many, many years, decades, in fact. Probably since, like, you know, 1990, or, or even before companies have been, at least 30 years, companies have been working on email spam. Um, and so our spam filters have gotten so good. Twitter spam? Twitter is the only company that works on that. So it's very clunky. They, they uh, you know, yeah, sure, they, they they ban people, they kind of do some spam bots, but it doesn't really work because it's it's centralized. It's one company trying to fight against, uh, you know, millions and millions of people and bots, and that's, a, that's kind of a huge game of whack-a-mole. So, um, very difficult. So, those are the three eras, and the question is, are we really going to end up in era three? Is this centralized internet going to fall apart? It really looks like it's happening now uh, with, uh, essentially in the United States, the internet is starting to bifurcate uh, along political lines. I mean, you see that, um, so the big news, you know, Donald Trump was uh, taken off of Twitter, and then a lot of, let's say, um, uh, Trump supporters. I-, I usually, I saw it like, you know, from what I saw of Parler, uh, it was it's basically just, you know, talk radio. It was like Sean Hannity and Mark Levin uh, were on Parler. And so, you can go on parlor a lot of people were going on parlor and then that was shut down uh, at first you know the apps were taken off the app store which is like okay fine but i you know a lot of people just use the website you can go to parlor.com but then their hosting was taken off of amazon so okay so let's talk about that a little bit um i'm not going to get into the 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 politics and the reasons so much but let's just talk about what it is and uh how this is going to play out because i think that is uh uh, that's kind of the interesting part. I always try to make projections here, and, and I try to hold myself accountable because, you know, I want to understand what's going on. I want to be uh, 10 steps ahead of everybody. So Parler is an alternative Twitter uh, with a different moderation system, and it's uh, preferred by American conservatives. Uh, now, they do have a moderation system. It's not completely unmoderated. Uh, they do have kind of a volunteer jury system. It's not a decentralized service, which is why it's made a, a good target for removal. It's still centralized. Um, it it it's uh, it it was you know because it, you know they have their own database and it was hosted by Amazon and uh, it it was fine. So it was the number one app. Uh, it, it, it's in the App Store this year for a little while, which is crazy. I mean, if you think a Twitter competitor could be the number one app in the App Store, um, that is significant, because uh, in the past, it's been very difficult for companies to compete with these big tech companies. Uh, now, it is true that it's only had a minuscule fraction of the users that Twitter had has, but uh, sometimes this industry is about growth. And when investors see a lot of growth in a tech company, it really raises eyebrows. That's where you get the investments and stuff. It's not, it's not raw size. It's, it's growth and growth potential. So they seem to have it. Um, it seems to not be a uh a fad or anything like that, and um it was growing very fast. So I listened to this uh Kara Swisher interview. She's um a tech reporter from The New York Times with uh, John Matsey about uh, Parler being taken off. Um, <laughs> she obviously hates him and everything he stands for. I'll post the article online uh, i I don't know. I really don't like her interview style. It's really, really distracting. Uh, how she's so i don't know sarcastic and defensive uh, and I, I i i don't know I feel like if I interviewed people I disagreed with, I would have uh, handled it differently but I, I just find it very distracting so not uh not not my favorite interview uh with Kara Swisher there, but um that's uh where you can learn a lot about Parler and what it's going what's going on with them, what they think about is is happening with them being taken down. Um, you know what? What what she think is ha- is happening with they w- with them being taken down? Uh, you know, uh, they say that the um, uh, you know people have said, well, you know, they promote violence, and they're saying, well, w- well where show us where we promote violence? It looks like um, everything that's being organized is organized more on Facebook than Parler. But uh, you know, all of those are facts that have to be kind of investigated and 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 come out. And right now, the people screaming on Twitter don't have the facts, so. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to weigh in. We'll, we'll get them. So anyway, uh, they do have moderation uh, parlor, but it's volunteer moderation. And so that moderation is, moderation is in, you know, figuring out which things to remove, uh, you know, kind of a jury pool, jury selection. And that system is considered not enough. By the tech giants. So that's why the big tech companies shut it down. Google, Apple, and then Amazon Web Services. So you can't even go on parlor.com. And and again, Google and Apple, you kind of do without. Amazon will be a problem if you rely on Amazon servers, as half the internet does, uh, which is sort of something I would kind of want to rethink. I mean, I... It does make me uncomfortable that Amazon can shut down any company's servers like in in 24 hours, like not even. And it's very complicated stuff, not even give them like enough time to move over to different servers, especially if they're doing something, you know, that's um, that's hasn't been deemed illegal. So it's sort of um, it's uh, it's 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 scary. I would I would consider it kind of a um, a risk now to use Amazon servers, even if you're doing something pretty. Uh, you know, less offensive to the uh, 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 to, to the tech giants because you never know when what you're doing is going to be considered like competitive and get in their way. And then, you know, they can just make it up an excuse and say, hey, um, you know, we see something that you did here. That's, uh, that's bad. We're going to take you off tomorrow. It is, I mean, it should be considered a risk by entrepreneurs and kind of a, um, a board members uh, in the industry. So, What's next for Parler? Uh, do they just go away? They're, they're off. They're off the air. <laughs> no, it's not the air, but they're off the Internet. Uh, do they just go away and everyone breathes a sigh of relief? Uh, that's probably not how this ends, um, if you think about you know, how the Internet works. Uh, so they say they're going to build their own servers. Um, I, I see others saying that downtime is going to be quite long. So they, at first they said one week. That is <laughs> very optimistic, uh, one week. I would be very impressed if they got it back up that quickly. Um, I, I wonder if they can get up kind of like a static page that you know shows everybody's uh, or that's what I might, might try to do if I were the CEO. I'd try to you know get up a static page that shows everybody's tweets. I guess they're not called tweets, what are they called parlays uh, so um, so that way you kind of have something to look at. Um, but uh, I don't know. Um, but if they don't run out of funding and they don't go under, uh, does it come back within a year? Uh, would I be surprised if it comes back w- within a year certainly not so um so so we 'll see what happens so the main point is this is just this is just one move there's going to be moves and counter moves, and what happens when they reach their final destination you have um you know you have something like parlor uh Parler uses amazon web services then they 're going to get off amazon uh web services they 're going to get their own servers so uh that's great. Then, okay, what if somebody tries to turn off their servers by you know, refusing to do business with them? Well, then what you get is Twitter on the blockchain, essentially. Uh, there are many groups trying to do this. Uh, or you get a decentralized Twitter, and there is one group trying to do this that is actually gaining steam. Decentralized Twitter, meaning that there are multiple servers many uh server clusters many different companies involved and you could try to shut off one but it's very difficult and um, they kind of all communicate with each other and so there's no kind of single point of failure and this group is called mastodon now if you haven't heard of mastodon uh remember that name because you're going to hear it more and more uh down the line i think um so it's, it's crazy how, even though Parler is in the news quite a bit, it's crazy how the news has completely bypassed the Mastodon phenomenon. And I think this is significant. Um, so uh, Mastodon was founded in 2017 by a German 24-year-old. His name is Eugene Rocco, Rocco, I think. Um, and, and it also uses ActivityPub, which is this um, kind of open source protocol for social networking. Um so, uh, Mastodon's servers are not owned by a single company. Instead, they have a system where many servers across many different organizations can talk to each other, and then those form a network. So, it sounds kind of like the early internet, right? Um, and then users can interact across co- networks. So, it's called being federated. An, ex- an example of a service that is federated is email. So, you have an email server. server. Let's say you use Gmail. Or, or or Yahoo, you could still email to each other because I use one, you use the other, but they talk to each other. So if I get um, if I get kicked out of one service, I can go move to another email service, and it's well, it's not no big deal. Well, it's only a big deal if I have to um, if I haven't downloaded my emails. I think uh, you know, downloading all my emails from Gmail would be tough, but uh, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a totally bad idea at this point. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of a federated service works pretty well. It's very difficult to get, um, to get censored from email. And not only that email spam is, uh, is pretty well settled. It's pretty well, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to, uh, to remove it. I get some emails that I don't want sometimes, but it's kind of my own fault because I don't I don't add enough filters, but, uh, so it could be a little better, but it's certainly not as, uh, it's not the most nerve wracking thing on the internet anymore. The most nerve wracking thing on the internet is probably, uh, Twitter, which seems like at at this point, you know, Twitter used to be, it used to be talk about food and, and music and, and life and, and, and things like that. And, uh. (laughs) <laughs> That's not happening anymore, I feel like at some point Twitter's just going to be Chinese and Russian bots talking to each other uh, so anyway, <laughs> that was an aside uh, but uh all right, so uh right, so we have this federated network it's called Mastodon. It is coming each operating server has its own code of conduct, its own terms of service, its own moderation policy and currently it's only about 1% of twitter size but again you have to look at that growth it is go- growing fast as of last year no as of 2 years ago almost 2019 it had 2.2 million and i haven't gotten a more recent number i haven't gotten a bigger number than that 2.2 million but it's got to be much higher than that now i'm guessing it's like 3 or 4 million so lots of lots of users and it's growing fast and i if this becomes the one uh, you know, or or one of the ones that that really take off like this, then uh, I could see it being, uh, I could see that network being the size of Twitter, you know, in in just a few short years. So, the initial uses of Mastodon were fairly diverse. You might think, oh, is this another one of those you know conservative things? No, absolutely not. Um, it was not designed by uh, Americans conservatives. It was there were some Americans involved, but it's an international group, uh, and and um, it, it did gained traction though with a lot of people who were uh uh marginalized in, in in any way so one example is um in india uh so for example so this so they have a caste system in india which i don't i don't really understand so i'm not gonna like talk about it too much so i kind of read it as like kind of the lower class or the lower caste but they they were on twitter and they say that Twitter is allowing them to be constantly harassed by users on their platform. And then when they complain about it, Twitter says, it's your own fault. And then they're moderated out. So whether that's true or not, that's the perception. Um, And so it's interesting because Twitter says, oh, no, we're neutral everywhere. But it kind of makes me think, like, could it be that Twitter takes on the bias of the tech employees of any country in which they operate? That's probably closer to the truth. So... uh, Mastodon developers shoot shot back at them, and then they create their own Mastodon instance to talk among themselves. Uh, these people in India, and they moderate uh, their own community in the way they want. So I looked at some of these Mastodon instances, which are like these sub communities. So each of them are kind of um, are, are are kind of small, but centralized in their own way. So they're not blockchains yet, although I don't think you you necessarily could do it. I think I think it could be a blockchain if you, if you wanted to, but essentially. They all talk to each other, except for one exception, which I'll get to in a little bit. But uh, so the first exam exception is Mastodon.social. So that is the kind of the main one that is, it has half a million users and it's general Mastodon discussion. So that's the one that's run by the Mastodon developers, the people who develop the software also make their own instance to go with it, even though other people can connect with it uh, without permission. So that's one of the communities. They have a, a a community of furries in there. I don't even want to. Let's not even um, dive into what that is. Uh, but yeah, uh, marginalized group. If there's all these weird marginalized groups using something, though, you know that, and and, and it keeps it gets very diverse and it gets um, and, and people keep adding on to it then you know you have something big in tech so it's kind of a good news that you see the furries in there uh, you might think that mastodon.social the main one is the biggest one but it's not the biggest one is powoo.net. it's got the 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 one run by the devs is ha- has half a million this one has 650,000 and this is a kind of a japanese animated discussion animation discussion from what i can tell and a lot of these mastodon instances are becoming very very popular in Japan because uh from from what i can tell they've had quite a big backlash against twitter themselves and so a lot of people talking about the twitter in the united states don't realize this and you know i'd like to do more research on this myself is that these trends you have to kind of get out of the us bubble you have to kind of get out of what is happening in the, in the united states right now because these trends are worldwide and they're manifesting differently in different countries. Another example, 200,000 uh, uh, users in one of the instances is switter.at. It's an open discussion among sex workers. Again, whatever you think of that, it's it's sort of, um, sort of a place for maybe marginalized groups to talk to each other. So these were not, uh, by and large, uh, conservative groups. These were, I mean, a, a lot of them were liberal in the sense of historically... Not really politically liberal, but kind of historically associated with certain type of marginalized group in society, like not a white-collar worker, but like, but well, well, the ones I've just said. So, um, So they kind of kept joining up and joining up. And then finally, we come to this website called Gab. So as you'll remember, Gab was one of those free speech sites. And initially, it was one where many national socialists, like Nazis and white supremacists, have found a home. So that's what I found when I went on there a couple years ago and it was very uh, you know very frustrating Um, although I suspect you know not anymore I suspect as Gab has grown and because it is like a free for all I assume that because it was a free for all the Nazis just went on because they can't go on anywhere else Uh, but now I assume because they've grown the percentage of Nazis might have gone down Uh, that's just a a hunch I haven't actually gone in and looked at it Um, so they were like hey Anyone can shut us down. They're trying to shut us down. So we'd like to join Mastodon. And the developers in Mastodon were outraged. They didn't want, uh, they didn't want Gab involved. Uh, but there was nothing that they could do to prevent it. And, and, and Gab was going to be one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest players. But Mastodon was created for the purpose of being able to connect with it whenever you want. So Gab is now on Mastodon. However, it's kind of been cordoned off. The, the other instances have sort of refused to communicate with it, and, uh, and it's sort of, it's kind of blockaded, but it's also still running. So it, it's sort of in a, in, a, in a little bit of a purgatory there. Uh, so a, a little bit more about that in, in a minute. Is that, is that an example of this working, or is that an example of this not working? I think it's an example of this working, but, uh, but I'll talk, I'll, 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 well, let me say, I, I think this gives us an idea of how an uh, an instance or several instances that cater to conservatives like Parler would work if they went on Mastodon, um, you know. First of all, I, I think there's going to be multiple ones because I think that you know one for Trump supporters and one for I don't know. I can't keep track of all these groups that they have. But anyway, I feel like instead of being at the mercy of big tech on Mastodon, they can go one to one to each of the instances and say, hey, what's it going to take for you to connect with me? And so Parler might, some some groups on Parler might say, hey, you need to have these moderation policies and then we'll connect with you. Uh, maybe some uh, Parler, or maybe some Mastodon instances outside the United States wouldn't care. And so you kind of end up with a network that's partially connected, um, except from the people who are, are really hateful. And then you end up with some compromise on policy. You know, uh, 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 instances that really, really dislike each other. Maybe they want to connect. Maybe they come with some compromise on uh, on on their their moderation policy, and they come together as much as they can. So I think this will lead to a much less divisive and more cooperative society. And God knows we need this right now, which is what our our current uh, you know our, our current current social media landscape is is causing the the opposite of that. Uh, uh, it's causing the, the, a divisive, hateful society, not a cooperative society. Uh, so, uh, and a lot of people say, like, inequality causes um, and causes instability, but I think the case we're seeing here, they often focus on wealth inequality. It's not really wealth inequality, it's power inequality. And uh, right now, the power of the big tech CEOs is, uh, is, uh, is huge compared to everybody else. So we'll see how this plays out. I think it's going to... I think we're going to see a growth of something like this. And what's interesting is if you've been listening to like lots of podcasts and uh, of what's going on, whether it's, it's from the left side or the right side, they're not talking about the big picture here and how the internet is going to basically flip over. You know, we are, we're going to see a revolution in the internet over the next, uh, let's say around five years. And that's why I'm, Really excited to have a podcast. Uh, all right, so Mastagon, Mastodon already has the the scale to grow, and if this one becomes the main one to take on Twitter, which is still very certain at this point, I think, you know, by, I think in like five to ten years, a billion users, like you know, huge scale. So, where will the smart engineers go in all of this? Who wants to work for Twitter or Google or Facebook these days? It's it's mostly going to be Risk averse people., uh, there are you know areas in these companies with exceptions, but the most creative, the most entrepreneurial people, which also tend to be sometimes some of the most outcast people, uh, that's where the excitement is going to be. and whether it's going to be in some of these decentralized solutions like Mastodon or these blockchain solutions um, or or these uh, kind of hacks to get around big tech, I think if you are a creative person, that's sort of where you're going to want to spend your energies and not going to work for Google. I mean, you know, come on, who's going <laughs> to, I don't think that's where uh, the most uh, innovative people are going to want to work. So uh, that's what I have to say about that. That's what I have to say about what's going on on the internet. You might think that's not really the news story of the day, but uh, that's that's what I wanted to talk about. And um that's an aspect of of what's going on that I think's really important. That's going to give you a much bigger picture. Again, um, if you're in the United States, uh, do research on what's going on in other countries. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, tech censorship, because I guarantee you, if you love what uh, tech censorship is doing in the United States, you're not going to like. You, you, I I don't think you're going to like what tech censorship is doing in most of the other 200 countries. And so you might want to rethink that uh, that view. Um, unless you think everybody in charge in the United States is great, but everyone in charge in the other countries are all bad. I guess, you know, we're number one. Okay, <laughs> I get it. Um, all right, so let me mention two more examples of how this phase three of the web is developing uh, to, well, one, one is kind of the dark side where I'll talk about dark net marketplaces real quick. And the other one is cryptocurrencies. So a little note on the dark web marketplaces, the one that uh uh the ones that I spoke about before, you know, um Mastodon, Parler, even Gab, you know, I have a test account, almost all of them, uh, just to see how it works. And uh, you know, because it's pretty easy and it's it's good for the research. Here I don't. I've I've never been on a dark web marketplace because it's really Uh, it's, it's, it's really dark stuff. It's, it's really buying and selling like illegal stuff and it's complicated to get on there. I don't really have any desire to do it. So I'll just have to rely on what I've read, but lots of these dark web marketplaces have cropped up over the years and they've been shut down, but it's sort of like playing a game of whack-a-mole. You see kind of one pop up as soon as it gets shot down. Uh, Silk Road might be, maybe is the most famous one with founder Ross Albrecht in jail, uh, put in jail for many years. I think that went down in, I don't know, was it 2013 or 2015 or something like that? Um, so it's just a matter of time before these evolved into a crypto network, fully decentralized and blockchains. And it's really going to be a big mixed bag for the world. It means a lot more legal stuff will be bought and sold. On the good side, it could help people who legitimately want to get, say, say medicine and food and stuff, their government is making it hard to get. Um, there are some governments out there that are pretty bad. Um, you know, on the bad side, you know, I don't really need to say horrible stuff. will be easier to accomplish. Hopefully, we can find other ways to fight those. But I think to have like a a silver lining on this it'll force society to pick and choose its battles so maybe you know marijuana becomes less likely to be illegal as is already happening um but maybe you know murder for hire you could focus on that or something so there is a decentralized platform open bazaar that kind of catered to legal goods and got some usage uh but well because Americans at least that I, that, that I know um it, we we have a pretty easy way of buying and selling on kind of legacy networks like eBay. There's sort of less of a demand for it right now. I think there's a lot more demand for innovation in the social media space than there is in the kind of dark web marketplace space right now. And so that's why I think more innovation is going to take place in the form. And of course, dark web marketplace, you know, the only people who are willing to take a huge, um, let's say, legal risk, like you go to jail forever, uh, would be willing to to run these. So. Uh, um, uh, very dangerous until someone <laughs> think of all, inevitably figures out how to blockchain this. So <laughs> that's what's going to happen. Uh, but uh, but how do we prepare for that? I'm not so sure, but uh, I think that's what's going to happen. Finally, let's talk about cryptocurrencies. It's hard to deny that is happening. It's hard not to be optimistic about Bitcoin and the Ethereum and cryptocurrencies right now. They've had an incredible bull run with uh, with market cap. I think now The entire cryptoverse has over a trillion dollars in market cap, um, you know, up there with some of the largest tech companies, but it's going to get even better as places like Citibank and PayPal are now restricting who you can send money to, to a higher and higher degree. That's going to push more and more development into cryptocurrencies, not to mention the fact that the price of these things goes up means that people who own them have extra cash to invest in uh technology for them so it's just it's kind of a virtuous cycle it's amazing this virtuous cycle is created not within a company but within a uh, a crypto community and um this thing will continue to evolve over the next few years again it's so exciting look at this recent news from a company called shapeshift so uh, and 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 this is it, it, it's. I don't know if like this is significant for just them, but it's sort of a sign of how things go uh, with this. Like, it. I've been looking like in the last five years, five six years now. Facebook, Twitter, they take things away from us. They get worse and worse. Uh, so you kind of think if they take something away, it's never coming back. But uh, look, look what happened with this company, Shake Ship. So they they wanted to be private. They they wanted to specialize in privacy, and they wanted to specialize in allowing you to trade one currency. For another. So in the past, they allowed anyone to insert a coin of one type. I mean, not literally insert a coin, you know, but like uh, you know, uh, do a transaction to um, to an address, a Bitcoin transaction, and out pops another one. Let's say Ethereum. So I can like convert Bitcoin to Ethereum and then I can convert back, etc, etc. So a couple years ago, because of the way they architected it, they were considered, say, money handlers and they were forced by law to implement uh, the the know your customer the KYC standards that you get at a bank, not necessarily a bad thing for most transactions, but um, you know that's not where people in the uh, you know in, in the cryptoverse wanted. Um, um, you know, you know, many people didn't didn't want that. They they wanted kind of a more privacy coin. Um, you know, yes, okay, of course you could say uh, money laundering, but you know it's it's it is there is something kind of thrilling about the idea of having financial privacy it means uh you know it means more it means more freedom in the world i think um but but so okay so fine they got big enough they saw the 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 laws and they they had to enact these kyc standards two years ago fine it's over the wild wild west is over and that um that 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 private that totally private ability to convert uh, to trade cryptocurrencies is now gone forever on shapeshift right wrong (laughs) because now in 2021 we have something called decentralized finance where these types of exchanges can happen without a centralized server they blockchained it and shapeshift which has a great user interface hooked into it so now ShapeShift simply provides a nice interface for using this protocol. They don't handle the currency at all, which is why they don't have to, um, which is why they don't have to get user information, and therefore they're like, okay, now we can remove KYC. And it's like, wow, like that is I never would have expected that to happen. Um, in, in, in other spheres of tech, it seems like they add more rules. They're constantly adding rules um, as time goes on, but. To remove rules or to circumvent rules, like that seems to be something that happens very frequently in the blockchain space, in the cryptocurrency space, in the Bitcoin space, whatever you want to call it. And um, I don't know. All I have to say is what a time to be alive. That just goes in the complete opposite direction of everything else we know. Uh, So once again, this new world will have a lot more privacy. There are pros and cons to this. But I have to say this is an exciting time to be alive. And it's going to be really exciting talking about this with you on local maxima as we proceed into 2021 remember once again uh i am on one of the alternative social networks at maximum.locals.com you know locals is hosted on amazon i found out which is you know which could be a problem although for for from what i know like locals is not really a twitter um, a twitter replacement so it doesn't it just kind of has these very kind of small uh, gardens that you kind of have to pay to get into so it sort of works like that and i, I think for that reason it's it's not going to be shut down and i'm pretty sure they're working on ways a- around it in case they, they they are uh kind of attacked by the big tech giants at some point in the future but i don't uh i don't i don't foresee it for locals given you know given where the focus is right now because uh, uh um it, it just uh, uh, it's just not, uh, not a concern for me, but anyway, check out locals. There is a, a, a lot of, I see new people joining locals all the time. I think, uh, Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard just got a locals at Tulsi.locals.com. I haven't checked it out. I'm just like, but it's kind of exciting that kind of, I chose this horse and now, uh, and now it's, uh, it, it, it's running. It's, uh, it's, it's growing. So anyway, maximum.locals.com to get to mine. Anyway, if you could just, uh, Please sign up. you don't have to get the paid version, although I would love it if you get the paid version, but if you get the free version, that helps too, because I have a small audience, and once I get to like a certain number, then there's more that I could do on the platform. so appreciate that. Hope you are understand the uh the point that I'm trying to make here about where the internet going and why this is important to talk about right now and um yeah, I'd like to hear from you uh, you know which of these technologies are you most excited about? Which are you most worried about? Um, where do you what do you think is going to happen to the big tech companies? Are they going to evolve? Are they going to um, you know are are they going to implode? Are they going to get bigger? I'd like to hear from you. Go to locals, uh, maximum.locals.com or send me an email at uh, localmaxradio at gmail.com. Next week I hope to have Aaron back on the show. I'm not sure what I'm talking about yet. And uh, I'm going to try to get a guest lineup for this year. So have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week.